you see a lot of failures of cross-sex mind reading in incels. So they always describe that there's no such thing as a femme cell, there's no such thing as a female incel, because some, most women can go out and get sex or a relationship if they want. It might not be the sex or relationship that they really, really want, mm -hmm. but they could get some. Yeah. And for incels, and maybe most men, yeah. some is always better than none. Yes. Uh, sex or relationships is kind of like pizza. There's yeah. good pizza and pizza. Yeah. There's no bad pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But for women, uh, because sex uh, could come with the cost of pregnancy, a child, uh, STDs more likely, it's really costly endeavor for women. So actually, sex they don't want, some is, be is not better than none yeah. for, for women. But incels can't really see this from the woman's point of view. Mm. I, I think they really underestimate how much women do not like having sex with men they don't like having <laughs> sex with. They, they really don't want that. <laughs>
So it's a bit of a dream move for me. Yeah. Um, my master's dissertation uh, was some of the earliest research uh, to investigate uh, the psychology of incels, mm, so involuntary yeah. uh, celibates. And uh, yeah, I can tell you about some of our findings yeah. uh, today, but that's me. I love it. So what's interesting, William, William or Will, what do you like to go by? William is better. William, you're British. William. <laughs> <laughs> Correction, I'm Irish. Irish, oh my God. Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm about to walk out. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know why. I, I, I thought I heard London and I just said British, but I knew you were Irish because obviously the accent. Yeah. <laughs> to to be fair, I am a bit all over the place. Yeah. Like all Irish people, we I tend want to, to travel around. I want to the hard <laughs> Irish people. Irish. <laughs> Not British. We won't fall out. It's fine. <laughs> my, my brother. Um, and so I do not like school. Okay. I was a teacher mm. for four years. So it's kind of oxymoronical. And my dad has been fighting. I can't even say fighting, but my dad has been pushing me to go back to school. Mm. I don't like school at all. If I was to go to school... If I had to go, it would be University of Austin, Bus School of, of, of Evolutionary Psychology. That's the only place in this world, unless Dr. Peterson opens the university and he's <laughs> teaching the course. There's only two places with Dr. Peterson, whatever he's teaching, or Dr. Bus's School of Psychology. We'll talk a little bit more about that mm -hmm. later. So I, I cannot tell you how much of a, of a fan I am for all you guys at Dr. Buster School of Psychology. I literally, the work you guys are doing is, is truly um, transforming society. I think people don't realize what you're doing. Hmm. I, I want to bring as much light to what you're doing and Dr. Buster's work. And to me, in this topic, I feel like I'm the world's leading pseudoscience. <laughs> scientist. Bro science. I, oh yeah, you know what I mean? I'm the world's leader. In regards to the evolutionary psycho psychology, especially when it comes to human mating, I feel like I'm the, I am the bro science, pseudoscience <laughs> expert of the world. Okay. So I'm, I'm excited about the back and forth because I feel as though the best part about what you guys do is that because you guys have so much of the credentials and the, 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 uh, the, the academic background, you're mm -hmm. able to show the objective truths about this subject matter, because what I found online, especially with my, a lot of my disagreements with people on the other side of the, the internet, is that so much of it is personal opinion. Mm. And when it's personal opinion, it's, it's, it's easy to argue. It's your opinion versus mine, postmodernism, your truth versus my truth, right? But when it's objective quantitative studies that have existed from the beginning of time, as well as, you know, with Dr. Buster's studies, analyzing so many world cultures, you can't argue with the, the hard science. I know it's hard to call science, you know, objective in today's yeah. world, but you can't argue with it. So I'm beyond excited about talking with you today because I just think there's just so many layers to this conversation I want to I get into. Sure. So I'm going to ramble a lot, so forgive me. I'm just, it's beyond excitement <laughs> what, what I'm thinking about. You, let's get to you. Sure. Uh, I don't want to spoil this. <laughs> what are you currently studying in Dr. Buss's School of Psychology? So um, I was debating whether I'd continue on studying the incel topic yeah. too much more because my colleague and co-author on our study 
she always makes the joke to me that research is me-search. <laughs> so whenever I introduce the incel topic, people always wonder, oh, what kind of interested in that? But I, I am going to continue on uh, doing some other work on that. We're also interested in um, something called cross-sex theory of mind, kind of looking at how well each sex can actually predict the sexual psychology of the other, because we feel like we might talk past <laughs> each other a lot, men and women sometimes might, uh, you know, it's a real mistake for men to think that uh, women have typical male psych sexual psychology and that could be causing problems. I love this. Uh, so something like that. Uh, but we're always interested in uh, loads of different projects. Uh, the other day, a researcher got in touch to say that we might have a, a collaboration on investigating what it's like to go to a haunted house as a first date mm. and investigate what that's like. So it's always interesting I to look it. at human I mating. It. I love it. <laughs> People who know me know I'm obsessed with studies and data. So literally all of the things you, you, you will be talking about today are things you've studied, things I've studied. You got the laptop, you know, I got my laptop in case we need to bust it out. You know what I mean? Like I, I literally have a document on human mating relationships and sexuality, like 120 articles of that I've been studying for all, all these past years and I, all these numbers are in my head. And so I'm just really excited about talk, talking to an expert in the field, which I consider you an expert in the field, though you, you feel like you're working your way to get there. You're not on Dr. Buster Peterson's level, <laughs> but I consider you one of the few experts in this field. And especially, I'm excited about beginning the conversation talking about incels. Sure. Because, man, me and my, my best friend Francis, we talk about this for, for years. And you call them incels. Mm. We call them BMCs. Okay. Okay. What does BMC stand for? I'm gonna cut this out because my my guys and my standards are, are private language, but BMC stands for. Right. Okay. okay. So I don't I don't say that word a lot because it triggers people's mind because mm -hmm. they think about that in the terms of like this bro science red pill. MGTOW kind of jargon, those yeah. three, those three, like, you know, those two <laughs> words combined together. And to me, that word doesn't describe a person, but a mindset. Mm. And so what I found, and you're going to, we'll get into this because you're going to use the word insult. I use the word BMC. So forgive me if the, if the language just gets confusing. I'll try to use insult as much as possible. But insult is not, mm. in my opinion, is not a person, it's a mindset. And the mindset leads to behaviors. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to get into that later. But like I said, I'll call them from time to time BMCs. I'll explain to you what I mean by that. Mm. But I want you to begin by defining what you mean by incel. Yeah, I mean, for me, what you describe as BMC sounds a little bit too demeaning for, of course, for my of taste. Of course, of course. Uh, I tend to have a, a lot more sympathy for this group and community and the problems they face and represent in society uh, than that might suggest. So uh, what I mean by incel, and it's very difficult to define, you do get at a, a good point there, because it's objectively, so incel stands for involuntarily celibate. Mm -hmm. uh, they're a group of men who come to the conclusion that they can't form sexual or romantic relationships. Now, that is something that is objectively impossible to prove. Mm -hmm. How can one prove that someone objectively can't gain access to sex or love? Uh, so to some extent, it is a, a voluntary kind of embraced identity, and it does require an individual to define themselves that way. So my definition for inceldom is rather than like a, a time without sex or um, a set of beliefs or worldview, I define incel as 
somebody who has enough psychological difficulty with trying to form sexual or romantic relationships such that it becomes a core part of their identity and they come to believe they can't. So that's a psychological kind of condition, but I don't want to pathologize in seldom because they're just regular men who've just come to see the world this way. I love it. And so... And I, and, I, and, I, and I want to clarify because I don't want you to think I'm on this other side of the internet. We'll get to that, that as well. The reason why I don't publicly define what BMC stands for mm-hmm. is because to what you said, it seemed like a derogatory statement. Yes. It seems insulting to these individuals. And so me and my friends, like my, my friend Francis, we said it's a mindset is not a person. Mm-hmm. So we're not saying you are that, but you have the mindset. And if it kind of makes you feel better, we describe ourselves like that. Mm-hmm. So we say we have the BMC mindset as well. Okay. So to me, the mindset is a state of ideas that an individual will have. And so that mindset usually grips a certain um, demographic of males. And usually I can, similar to you, I can kind of predict what kind of guys have that mindset based upon some of the core tenets that you've described from your characteristics of these individuals. <clears throat> and so to me, it's not a demeaning like I'm looking down upon them. Is that saying, no, I have this mindset mm. too. Many men have this mindset too. And this mindset is built upon some of the things we'll get into, which define a person to be an involuntary celibate, yeah. right? So, I, and I want to make it clear, I don't believe it's an identity, mm. like you said, if it's an identity, it's who I am. I can't escape this. Mm-hmm. It's a mindset. And when you understand it's a mindset, once you shift the mindset, you shift the identity. Okay. So, yeah. So, when I say identity, I don't mean a fixed identity like your ethnicity or something like that. Uh, it's more a, a kind of an embraced identity that could be discarded. It could be, you know, it could, more like a worldview, perhaps. Yes. A hundred percent. And so, similar to us. We define identity as that, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not like, you know, the modern word of identity is I'm black, I'm straight, I'm da 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 And it's this, it's this core defined mm. state of being that you cannot change. This right. is who you are permanently. When we say identity, we're talking about the mindset. What do you believe you are, mm-hmm. right? And so the internal identity of these individuals, of these incel type guys, of these BMC guys, are some mm-hmm. of the things that we've been studying for a long time. And so this is something I've been very, very passionate about for a long time. Mm I am 32 years old. My journey started really with helping men. Mm -hmm. So I'm primarily in the men's help space for the past roughly say 13 years, since I was 19 years old. And like I said, I was a teacher for many years and I've had the, the privilege and luxury of teaching males of all ages. I taught in preschool. I did preschool. I did um, after school program in elementary school. I was a middle school teacher and I was a high school football coach. Hmm. So, and then when I was in college, I did a lot of mentorship with the with the fellow students. So I can objectively said I've taught and have heard the stories of men. Literally, at my preschool was also a, a daycare, and and I was at times a roaming teacher. So they would put me in different classrooms, mm-hmm. and so I would literally be in the the nursery with the six month year old boys, and I might be with the toddlers some days. Then I'll be right. with the preschool kids four to five. <clears throat> so I can honestly say I've had tangible experience from six months all the way to 22 years, and then now doing what I do now from 22 all the way to like 60, right? And so there's just so many layers to my experience that I'm excited about bouncing your ideas with, but I want to begin by what have you found in your study? So I want you to give a general overview of the study that you did, some of the findings that you found, and then I want to dive into that moving forward. Sure. So, um, 
for our, my master's dissertation, I managed to find 151 male self-identified incels who uh, define themselves that way. I could only find nine femme cells, mm-hmm. nine female incels, for, and there might be a lot of different reasons why uh, female incels and male incels are very different. Maybe we could get into. Of course. Um, but 151, I was pretty happy that that was a relatively large sample because incels tend to be pretty cynical of academia. So I had a one-year master's during the pandemic, so I was quite happy with that sample. Uh, one of the first things we found was that incels scored significantly higher than non-incels on a personality construct called the Tendency for Interpersonal Victimhood. Mm-hmm. This is a new personality construct uh, measure developed, and it describes people who have like an external locus of control. They believe that everything that happens in their life is due to the external forces, not they can't affect change in their own life. Mm-hmm. And this makes sense when you think about the incel worldview of the black pill. Yes. Uh, so the black pill, for any of your listeners that don't know, is kind of a derivative of the red pill from the mu- movie The Matrix, mm-hmm. which describes uh, seeing the world as it really is, as opposed to the blissful ignorance of the blue pill. Yes. The black pill for incels describes a particularly bleak truth to swallow, the mm-hmm. belief that there is nothing and there was never anything that they could do to uh, develop their romantic prospects. So this tendency for interpersonal victimhood is comprised of four dimensions. One is the need for recognition, which describes a preoccupation with having the legitimacy of their grievance acknowledged. And this is very, very typical of incel behavior. The worst thing you can say to really annoy an incel is, oh, you don't have it that bad. You could actually change. You know, it's not so tough for you. Come on. They really hate that. They want you to acknowledge how difficult it really is or how impossible in in, in their many cases. The second dimension is moral elitism. So the belief that an individual or their in-group behaves more morally than others. And you can see this in incels in that they might demean uh, the superficiality of the mating market. They might describe chads and stacys as being quite superficial and that maybe their tastes would be more sophisticated. Uh, The third dimension is a lack of empathy, uh, which means that because of incels perceived pain that they've received, they feel entitled to enact pain on others. It's like, nobody cares about my pain, why should I care about anybody else's? And the final dimension is uh, rumination. So the tendency to constantly ruminate and reflect on perceived instances where they've been slighted or or, um, cast over. So incels scored significantly higher on all dimensions and um, overall on that tendency for interpersonal victimhood. All right, guys, we're going to take a quick break to go ahead and talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors at BetterHelp Counseling. As I've said multiple times, I am not a counselor. Chris is not a therapist. We're simply men who like to have great conversations and share our opinions. But we still feel like a lot of you guys need counseling. You need therapy. You need additional support to help you on your journey to life. That's why we partner with BetterHelp. Guys, BetterHelp offers you licensed professional counseling from the comfort of your own home. And not just that, one of the challenges people face with counseling is sometimes you may not like your counselor and you want to go to a different one and it is very difficult to change. But BetterHelp makes it extremely easy. Guys, go to betterhelp.com slash roommate to sign up today. Please, men and women alike, do not neglect your mental health. Take this opportunity, take this year to make a commitment to becoming the best version of yourself, but you got to do so emotionally and going to counseling will drastically transform your life. Go to betterhelp.com slash roommates. You'll be able to get a discount from our content. Thank you guys so much. Let's continue to get better and let's get back to this week's episode. I love it. And and this this where it begins with the 
conversation about the BMC being a mindset. The, the reason why I use that word is that like when you think about that person, you think about somebody who's like lower in society and then having something precious to him being violated consistently, right? If you break down the first half and the second half. And so we use that word because that's the mindset that person's in. They're in that mindset where those two things are happening to you simultaneously. And one of the things that I've always done when we're talking about these, these different issues is related to pop culture. Mm-hmm. So are you really familiar with American like cartoons and TV shows and stuff like that? Uh, Ireland tends to import a lot of that uh, pop culture entertainment. So maybe I am. Yeah. Okay. So one of the biggest things that I like to do is I like to use a lot of pop culture references. So if you don't remember, can't follow one, please let me know. Sure. There's a really popular show on Nickelodeon. Um, back in the day called Fairly Odd Parents. I think I remember it. Okay, so Fairly Odd Parents, the TV show begins, and the theme song is, it begins like, it says this, Timmy is an average kid that no one understands. Hmm. Mom and Dad and Vicky are always giving him commands. Then Vicky says bed twerp. Doom and gloom up, up in his room is broken instantly. And I say the story of an insult or a BMC is that it starts off right there. Hmm. An average kid who no one understands. Mm. And, and that is, like you said, the need for recognition. Yeah. Nobody understands my pain. No one understands my struggle. Nobody understands my hardship. And the second half is mom and dad and Vicky are always giving him commands. What does that mean? He's getting bullied. Mm. If I'm getting bullied, what does that mean? I get no respect. I get no, I get no validation. I, yeah. get no, I get no appreciation <laughs> from society. So a lot of these individuals like you, like I love how you broke it down like that because that's really what it comes from. If I'm a young man who feels like nobody understands my pain. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that you said was that um, a lot of these incels, the BMC types, they're, they want so desperately somebody to understand them. And what you will find is they gravitate towards people who will share about their pains. So I think Dr. Pearson does a fantastic job of sharing about what they're going through. Andrew Tate would do great jobs sharing what they, go, what they went through. Mm. Got Kevin Samuels would do great jobs. And at times, I, when I would do it as well. So they naturally gravitated towards this idea of people who are sharing about their pains because they feel so overlooked by those in society and they feel like they're, and I consider consider themselves to be like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Mm. I'm here, but nobody sees me. Have you found that to be the case? Yeah, I think you touched on a lot of important points there. And one is that idea of status. Um, This maybe generation of young men are are not automatically getting status as uh, in previous decades. And, you know, in perhaps like the 1950s, the incels might look back on that as somewhat kind of glory years where a man was... Good old days. (laughs) He he would be pretty much guaranteed he'd get a job. And with that job would come uh, a wife. And, you know, those things would go hand in hand. He's guaranteed to neither of those things now. And he perhaps has to take orders from women for the first time. Mm -hmm. And uh, perhaps that is quite jarring to him. But yeah, definitely the... The need for recognition is huge and they do uh, seem to appreciate anyone who tells them as it is, who doesn't sugarcoat it for them. Where I would push back, uh, they tend to disagree with Jordan Peterson's style message because Jordan Peterson is very much his direct message to incels is if all the women in the world don't want you, they're right. And he said it very well on this very podcast, actually, there's a great clip. 
Um, it, but he's di directly talking to incels and saying, you need to develop yourself. It doesn't matter all the societal reasons why you have it harder uh, than any others, uh, than other decades uh, or generations. That doesn't matter to you as an individual. All that you can do as an individual is develop yourself. But in terms of just objective status markers as well, I think, uh, you know, sexual selection or being selected by women, uh, it, it, it's two things. It is actually a mark of status in itself, and it also comes with status. Yes. So you actually don't, don't get the uh, selected by women until you have a certain degree of status, but also then you're seen as lower status without that um, female mm. partner. A lot of incels in interviews with me, they talk about, I'm seen as a weirdo for not having this objective status marker of a relationship. Mm. And in terms of other objective status markers, we found some uh, interesting socioeconomic status um, statistics in our study. We found that 50% of incels compared to 27% of non-incels reported to still live with a parent or a carer. 17% of incels compared to 9% of non-incels uh, were described as neat which stands for not in education, employment, or training. So they're uh, facing some hardship there. And 36% uh, of incels compared to 20% of non-incels in our sample had a high school level education or lower. And when we consider how important socioeconomic status is to women when selecting a mate, mm -hmm. being without those material markers of status uh, actually really hurts incels' mating prospects. And I always say it's kind of circular because... To get a house now, you almost have to be part of a dual learning household. Mm -hmm. So it, 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 it's kind of a circular punishment for incels yeah. because without the girlfriend, they can't get the house. Without the house, they can't get the girlfriend. Yes. So it's kind of circular Cash punishment. 22. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I want to clarify when, when I, when I um, <clears throat> went Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, Kevin Samuels, I wasn't describing their messaging to what. Mm. these people should do. Mm. I'm describing their understanding of their pain. Yeah. So I feel like I would consider you somebody else who understands their pain. Yeah. So it's one of two things, right? It's like when you have a friend who's going through something, they want you to understand their pain. And then if you have a good friend, they want you to help them solve their pain. That's right. Point. So it's two things. It's understanding the pain and solving the pain. Yeah. So I will agree 100,000%. Dr. Peterson is one of the best at understanding the pain of the men who are the bottom rungs of society. Similar to you, mm. do your studies. The difference is obviously, like you said, is that the, 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 the BMC mindset it doesn't like personal accountability yeah. it, because personal accountability means I am the reason why my life is the way it is. Mm -hmm. That's the worst feeling is that the reason why my life sucks is because I have done stuff. And so I will agree that then a mess like Dr. Peterson's, which is all about personal accountability, which he, when he made that clip, sent us on my podcast, they didn't like it. Yeah. They didn't you go through the comments. They hated what Dr. Peterson said right. because he called them to be accountable. And so what I've realized is the, 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 the incel, the BMC mindset is, is also like, uh, uh, it's very <clears throat> feminine. And what yeah. I mean by that is that it's like when you're having an issue, when a woman, generally speaking, I'm generalizing here, but you appreciate this because you have listening to psychologists, in a in marital conflict, when a woman has an issue mm -hmm. and, her, and she's talking to her husband about the issue, we understand she primarily wants him to do what? Listen. Listen. <laughs> she wants them to listen and to understand, don't right? Don't fix it. Just listen. Exactly. <laughs> you know it. They don't want you to fix it. They want you to just listen. But then if you try to fix it, 
she will say you weren't listening. <laughs> right. That's the incel mindset. Mm. The incel has that mindset as well where they're like, don't try to fix my problem. William, I want you to sit here and listen to me. Listen to how hard it is for me. Listen to how girls reject me. Mm. Listen to how difficult it is. Listen to how my dad treated me. Look at my, my mom and Matt. They want you to listen. But the moment you're trying to be like Dr. Peterson and hold them accountable, now you're not listening. Now they're upset. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And that actually describes what's so seductive about this black pill belief. Because there's nothing more dangerous or hurtful than just a little bit of hope. Mm. It's actually more comforting for them to embrace the black pill completely and give up. Yes. And say there's no hope at all. I'm, uh, there's no point in even trying. Whereas if they have that little bit of hope, they have to go through the pain to get to the other side. Um, so that is very interesting. And also, just in terms of that listening idea there's not a lot of options out there for people who are willing to listen to male pain in general uh, or to understand it, particularly sexual grievances. Yes. You know, we're told about this um, male privilege, particularly in the sexual domain. So it might be that just there's a cultural backlash that people are not prepared to listen to poor men complaining about sexual, what they consider sexual entitlement, mm. which I've never found to really fit with incels. I, I don't think sexual entitlement describes incels because... They actually are all about emphasizing how they're not enough. They're, yeah. they're, they're trying to make you see that they're not good enough to, to have sexual entitlement. Yeah. So that's always struck me as weird. No, that, that was so good. And literally, as you were talking, man, so many different <laughs> ideas came into my mind. And so what, so you said something before about sexual entitlement. And, 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 and can, you, can you backtrack before? What were you saying before you said talk about sexual entitlement? You made a point that was really profound. Ooh, uh, about no one willing to listen to male pain? Yes, thank you. Oh my yeah. gosh. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> I nearly blanked myself. <laughs> so what I've realized is, like I said, the, the BMC mindset, the incel mindset, feels invisible. Mm -hmm. And so you look at it like men, and I know Dr. Buss talked about it as, as well, as like a lot of times in society, men were perceived to be very disposable. Mm -hmm. Front lines in, the, in, the, in, in, in wars. When it comes to hard labor, men are the ones doing the hard and dangerous labor. When you see a homeless guy on the street, people walk over this guy, right? So, the, so society doesn't have a space for men to say, I'm hurting. I need help. Yeah, that's actually even more true than you might realize. From an evolutionary point of view, uh, because males die so much mm -hmm. through war, even just uh, health uh, uh, defects and things like that, uh, risk-taking behaviors, you, evolution almost has to produce almost twice as many males yes. to create a 50-50 uh, kind of uh, ratio. I love it. So and, it. And people don't even know, sorry for cutting off, people don't even realize because one of two things, people don't realize that according to, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the studies that I saw, nature produces 105 boys for every 100 females. I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if the, I don't know the exact statistic, yeah. but certainly so, so, uh, it needs yeah, to. Yeah. yeah, so like you were saying, because, and then if you even study even further, um, when it comes to zero to two, which is the most delicate age for child development, predominantly the, the people who die the most are boys. Well, wow. You know I what I mean? I so I, if I were looking to that, you know, because that's something that happens a lot. A lot of the boys die the most, and then especially with a lot of the birth defects. Mm -hmm. Like, so we look at like autism spectrum and stuff like that, predominantly male as well. So I think it's really fascinating to your point that I see that these men feel so overlooked by society. And I love what you said about 
the, the glory days, the good mm. old days, right? You know, you know the, the 1950s idealistic society mm. because in these men's brain, they believe that the average man, this is what they always talk about nowadays, mm -hmm. the average man had dignity back yeah. then. You could work at a, 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 at a manufacturing plant and then get respect as a guy, you know, have a average income and have a wife, kid, a picket fence, an American mm -hmm. dream, right? So they have this idealistic sense of, Men had it good back in the day, and then feminism and modernism causes craziness. So in their brains, they view it as the reason why I'm not being successful with women today is because feminism and, and, and Western society and, and liberalism changed the mindset of women. Mm -hmm. They didn't corrupt men. Men weren't affected by it. Mm. But women were corrupted, and the corruption of women has led them to not want good old guys like me. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to give the devil its due, they might be on to something to a certain extent yes. in that, um, you know, I would never suggest we, could, we, should, we should roll back the gains of women's liberation into the workplace. That's been such a net benefit for countries and society. Uh, but it has a kind of an unintended consequence and it might be an uncomfortable truth that for the last number of decades, women perhaps had been settling with men that they might not necessarily have wanted out of strict, strict monogamy norms or economic necessity. Now that women up until the age of 29 are out earning men in the workplace and they're outpacing them in education, but they still want an equal or higher status mate, 100%. it creates a kind of a culturally skewed sex ratio of uh, you know, a lot of highly educated and very sexually selective women versus a, a narrower pool of economically attractive men. So it, it does kind of uh, affect the mating market in these ways. Um, so, yeah, that might be an uncomfortable truth that we have to reckon with. Now, there is some data to show that hypergamy, so women's tendency to marry equal or higher status mates, mm -hmm. is somewhat in decline. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that I think that's somewhat inevitable as women occupy more high status positions in society. Mm -hmm. They're going to start marrying down to some extent. Yeah. Um, but some uh, interesting pieces of data along with that is that a recent study of 21,000 women in 27 EU countries mm -hmm. found that in relationships where a woman earns more or is higher educated than her partner, it's a big predictor of intimate partner violence. Mm -hmm. So that's a really uh, dark kind of uh, consequence or maybe unintended consequence of that. Uh, and also, there is some data to show that female infidelity not male infidelity, female infidelity has risen by 40% over the last five decades. Mm -hmm. So that's in lockstep with the decline in hypergamy. So yeah. as women are beginning to mate down in the mating market, they're beginning to have more affairs, which is, I think, somewhat natural if you think they're going to be occupying higher status positions, they're going to be surrounded by higher status men more often. Proximity breeds intimacy in the first place. Mm -hmm. And um, those two pieces of information maybe go together because from an evolutionary point of view, if a man gets the cue that he's about to lose his partner, then he might choose to inflict costs on her mm -hmm. in order to keep her, to lower her self-esteem or to make it just so costly for her to leave. So in terms of mate retention, a man has two strategies he can choose. He can choose benefit provision. So he can choose to provide his partner with so much benefit that she doesn't want to leave him. Yeah. Whereas if you're a lower status mate, then you don't have a lot of benefit to provide. So mm -hmm. that means you choose the second strategy. 
cost infliction, cost inflicting mate retention strategies, and that's where it might tie in with the intimate partner violence. So this this, this stuff is uh, it's dark yeah. and it's it's uh, it's worth thinking about though if we're going to rapidly change the kind of uh, socioeconomic structures in society. A hundred percent, and and you like I said. I know you got to be at class. So I'm, not, I'm trying not to make this three hours because it's, it's just you say something I'm like this needs a chapter. This needs a chapter. This needs a chapter. I want to go backwards. Intimate partner violence. I've, I heard you talked about mm -hmm. this. And so, like I said, I've I'm very obsessed with male improvement content, content that's generally helping men become better. That's my mission in life. That's my purpose mm. in life. So I've studied so many guys who've done this space. I've studied so many different people. Um, I've, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed with this. So this is like. Like I said, my pseudoscientist, like, 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 I, like, like, bro science is kind of like, like, I, I just haven't gone to school for this, mm -hmm. right? And so, one of the things that you talked about in other conversations is the pickup artist community. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go down that rabbit hole just yet, but I want to stop here because I, I don't know if you noticed this or not. Do you know of a pickup artist technique called negging? Yeah, I'm familiar with negging. So cool. Yeah. So, think about what you just said about intimate partner violence. You know, yeah. and, and you said you they this one of two ways you can do this. Mm -hmm. You can either provide the resources to make her stay because you're such a valuable man. She doesn't want to leave or you tear her down so much. She's so low. She won't want to leave or she won't have any other options. Yeah. So think about the concept of negging in a pickup artist world. They said you're a five. She's a ten. Mm hmm. So what a neg does, it makes her insecure and makes her think that she's lower than what she is. Absolutely. So the idea and pickup with the neg is the negging is a way of knocking her off her high horse, mm -hmm. bringing her to reality. So that's a very common technique that they use, right? So to go up to an attractive girl and be like, give a booger in your nose. And yeah. like, oh my gosh, booger. And like, oh, I'll just mess with Like just kind of make her insecure, bring her down. Yeah. And on the flip side, which is the hardest thing to do, is instead... Why don't you become a 10? Right. Why don't you, and, and, and this dating coach named Todd V is really good at this. He said, why don't you build yourself up to be a man of, 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 of dignity, of worth, of value. And then as a byproduct, you also don't idealize women. And we'll talk about that next because that's one of the biggest issues that the, the, the BMC mindset does. It has this idolization yeah. for women. And it's a byproduct of, I believe somebody said, desire is fueled by the lack of. Mm -hmm. So the more you want something, the more you desire it, right? So so since the incel type guy doesn't have any women, it makes him want her more. So because he wants her more, he's obsessed with her. Because he's obsessed with her, he idolizes her, right? And once you idolize, you demonize. This is why they get so mad yeah. when, upon the rejection of women. But to the point, back to negging. So if you view yourself as a valuable male, you don't idolize women. You don't demonize women. They're people, just like you. Yeah. I'm a great guy. So... I view myself as valuable. I don't know who you are. Yeah. I just met you. I don't, you can be an angel, you can be a devil. I don't know. So you don't idolize them. You don't demonize them. They're people and you know your value. So you don't have to neg them. Yeah. You know, but the other thing takes hard work. That takes time and effort and, and improvement and years. But negging just takes five minutes to say something nasty to them. That's right. And, you know, it might be dark, but the two strategies evolved for a reason. Yes. You know, one for some men probably is more effective, which is, you know, maybe uncomfortable. Like one, the, the benefit provisioning sounds better to me and yeah. that self-development make yourself a 10. But the reason why we, two strategies did evolve is because for such men, uh, one unfortunate finding. So Dr. Buss did a lot of research from his lab on uh, stalking. 
Um, and un- unfortunately, stalking, uh, one really bleak finding from it actually works. A lot yeah. of women who are stalking victims go back to their partner precisely because they make it so costly for the woman to move on with her life. Um, so that's a really bleak kind of finding. But yeah, so we have to acknowledge that both strategies exist and try to encourage men towards the benefit provisioning uh, strategy more often. And I think you, you made another point there as well that I think to be successful with women, you have to really like women. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> That might be a stumbling block for a lot of men. You yeah. know, you're never really going to be compelling to them unless they, they can smell it when you don't really like them. And so you <laughs> may, think. so going back to the, the four characteristics of, of an incel, the fourth one you talked about is, is this ruminization of the past. Mm-hmm. So going back to the TV show Fairly Odd Parents, mm. if you, for those who know the story, the, the main character's name is Timmy, has his evil babysitter, so let's play Dr. Peterson pseudoscience, right? <laughs> so he has an evil babysitter. So this tyrannical female mm-hmm. who's bigger than him because he's like 10. She's 16. So she's been through puberty. She's not bigger, but because, you know, at that age. So there's this power dynamic. Daunting to him because she's sexual for the first time in his exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. So you have this powerful female who's this tyrannical person, mm-hmm. mom and dad who just really don't care about you that much. And then there's this girl that Timmy's obsessed with at school named Trixie Tang. Okay. And Trixie is, is what they call a Stacy, okay. the, the beautiful girl in school, the attractive girl in school. And what's interesting about Trixie is Trixie doesn't even know Timmy's name. Mm. She doesn't even know his name. She, even, she, she calls him Pink Hat Kid because yeah. he has a pink hat. So he's spending all this time trying to get Trixie to acknowledge who he is. Mm. And so I realized that what happens is in the real world, because, because that's so deep because... The, the desired feminine doesn't even know your name. That means you're like, they, they know cat, dog. They, like, they know their pets. Thing. You're below her animals. You can't think about it. You're at the bottom of the bottom. And so for a lot of men, that breeds resentment. Yeah. That breeds anger. That breeds frustration because you're rejected by what you most value because what you idolize, if it doesn't love you back, you then demonize, right? Yeah. Thin line between love and hate. And so what happens with the, the, the guys with that mindset is that they have this obsession with that, with that idealized woman. And they idealize them because they don't, they're not around women. Yeah. In, in most typical TV shows, you see the, the, the really good, you know, the, 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 the BMC tale is like, this is nerdy guy who wants a hot girl, but then he has like the nerdy girlfriend. The movie goes on. He gets a hot girl, realizes they don't end up, they're not yeah. good match, and he ends up with the nerdy. That's a typical yeah. story. But in real life, he has no female friends. Mm-hmm. That guy has, in real life, he has no female friends, right? To be able to realize that women are people too. And so that's one of the things I think caused them to reminisce on the past so much because uh, Francis, my best friend, says they're high in neuroticism a lot of the times. So high in negative emotion. So the rejection from the feminine is so painful and constantly replaying in their mind, it naturally breeds a cynicism in these individuals' lives. Yo, what's good, everybody? We're going to take a quick pause from this week's amazing episode of talk to you guys about our amazing sponsors over at Skillshare. Guys, Skillshare is a real A1 day one from the roommates and we absolutely love Skillshare because they are a unique online learning community where men and women can learn all types of creative and entrepreneurial skills. Man, so many men for the past years 
and the roommates have been learning, have been blossoming, have been transforming from Skillshare because not only do you get the first month free to test it out, but Skillshare has such a vast library of courses, of resources that you guys can be able to tap into today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates and take advantage of this opportunity. Guys, on the podcast, we meet so many amazing men and women who are so talented, but they didn't get their skills overnight. They had to master these things and Skillshare gives you all the resources that you can be able to master your best self and tap into your full potential. So do not delay. Get on Skillshare today. Go to Skillshare.com slash roommates. Trust me, you'll thank us later. And let's get back to this week's episode. Absolutely. And there's other research from a researcher called Brandon Sparks that found that incels lack social connections more broadly, not just romantic options. And uh, particularly cross-sex friendships probably would help enable them to put themselves into a woman's perspective. I think a lot of kind of manosphere people maybe don't tend to do that that often. They tend to look through the men's uh, lens only and not think, well, wait a second, if I was a woman, what would I think? What problems would I face? Yeah. What issues are men, you know, meeting my standards, all, the, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I think um, having some friendships and particularly cross-sex friendships would really help. And this comes through a lot, and you see a lot of failures of cross-sex mind reading in incels. So they always describe that there's no such thing as a femcel, there's no such thing as a female incel, because some, most women can go out and get sex or a relationship if they want. It might not be the sex or relationship that they really, really want, mm-hmm. but they could get some. Yeah. And for incels, and maybe most men, yeah. some is always better than none. Yes. Uh, sex or relationships is kind of like pizza. There's yeah. good pizza and pizza. Yeah. There's no bad pizza. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But for women, uh, because sex could come with the cost of pregnancy, a child, uh, STDs more likely, it's really costly endeavor for women. So actually, sex they don't want, some is, be- is not better than none yeah. for, for women. But incels can't really see this from the woman's point of view. Mm. I, I think they really underestimate how much women do not like having sex with men they don't like having <laughs> sex with. They, they really don't want that. Mm. So they would rather stay single than settle for men they don't want. So this is, doesn't compute for incels. So that failure of cross-sex mind reading is an important thing that's going on. I love it because that leads to the lack of empathy. Right. And the more you're victimized, the more you... The more you what, you become selfish. So you live in your world so much because victimization means the whole world is coming against me. Mm-hmm. So you live in yourself so much so you don't understand the feelings of other people. Right. right? And, you, and you don't even care to understand because you're going through so much. I love what you said because one of the reasons why I'm so anti-red pill and all that, those type of content, and I love what you guys are doing in Bus School of Psychology is because you guys present both sides as humans. Yeah. You see, what happens on, in, in the red pill, kind of that side of the internet, is they, they, they demonize female nature mm-hmm. and they idolize male nature. Yeah. But it's like, hold on one second. Like, you have to look at it from both perspectives. There's pros and cons to both. Yeah. There's difficulties that male men deal with and difficulties female women deal with as well. What benefited me the most was in 2019, I went on tour with the three biggest dating coaches in the black community, hmm. one of them is like this, uh, the biggest, second biggest in the world, only to Matthew Hussey. Hmm. And I went on tour with them. So while I was on tour with them, I heard thousands upon thousands and thousands of women's studies. And as you can attest to it, there's a lot of differences. Women's studies, women's stories. Okay. <laughs> there's a lot of differences. 
but there's a lot of similarities. Yeah. But because I was immersed in their story, I was able to understand them so much. And I love the point that you brought up about how the incel community, you know, like the, the, that, that community doesn't believe that there's a female incel. And the biggest error comes because you don't understand the uniqueness of male and female sexuality. Right. And what's so fascinating is they, they will clearly acknowledge, women, you don't know how it feels like to be us. You don't know what it's like to have right. a penis. You don't know what it's <laughs> like to have this. You don't know what it's like. And, they, and they're like, we're so different. You don't understand us. But they can't stop and say, well, if you're so different, you, they can't understand you. Are they not so different that you can understand them? Absolutely. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, from an evolutionary point of view, uh, men and women are each other's greatest allies, actually. It's, uh, we compete intrasexually. Men compete primarily with other men. Women compete primarily with other women. So I always do stand back and laugh at these kind of ideological approaches that, try to, that seem like a concerted effort to get men and women to be 100%. adversarial and to hate each other. That is coming up against... Uh, you know, thousands of generations of pair bonding love mechanisms that have evolved to make men and women love each other. Mm. So, you know, I think that's a powerful drug too. So, you yeah. know, it, they, they don't stand a chance in the ultimate scheme of things, but it's a little bit annoying seeing these concerted efforts to try and get each other's greatest ally yeah. uh, to be in different camps. Yeah. So going back to the BMC comics, I just don't want you to leave feeling like <laughs> we're demonizing these guys. The reason why... I said it's a mindset because me and my best friend Francis talk about this all the time. It's a mindset I've had for, I've, I have it at times and I had it, a, like it was very strong in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. And what's very fascinating is I've never said this publicly, but you're my, my, my expert in the field, so I'll share this on this episode. This is going to sound weird, so internet will always take things the wrong way, but I think you'll appreciate this. My sexuality is more like a woman than it is like a male. Hmm. And so... When you were making that comment about the, the, the fem cell, I realized, oh, I understand that emotion more than men understand that emotion because for this reason. To me, I remember I was talking to my friend about this. And this is going to sound bad, but forgive me. <laughs> What's worse than no woman is an unattractive woman. Right. Yeah. What, continue. What's worse than no woman to me is an average woman. Mm. Okay. What's worse than no woman is an above average woman. Yeah. My standards are so high, I would rather have nothing. Yeah. Than than have above average, like let's say six or below. I would mm. rather have nothing. I would rather talk to no girl, be around no women, than have that. Yeah. Particularly for long term mating, where men and but, women. No, short. Even short. Oh, I, okay. I couldn't. <laughs> I, people will not believe it. I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a longer story, but even like. I couldn't sleep with a girl who's just an average-looking girl. Wow. I wouldn't be attracted to her. Mm -hmm. I personally wouldn't. I wouldn't desire it. But most men, that's not the case. Right. Most yeah. men have no problem. They drink it, take enough shots, you know, get the beer goggles. Hey, I'll, I'll knock it out, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Some is better than none. To right. me, that is worse than none. Mm, interesting. So, I, so my story is I've told a story all the time. Like, I struggled with women my whole entire life. That's why I got obsessed with evolutionary psychology. Every part of the male improvement, I've, I've, I've been obsessed with it because I struggled my entire life. And people would think, oh, you're, you're like an incel. Mm. And I was like, I, I'm very religious, so I, I intentionally didn't have sex for, uh, um, while I was single. So it's a whole different conversation. But I said, I'm not an incel because objectively, I got to be honest. I play college football. You know, like I have a lot. I have good things going for me. I'm an attractive guy. Like. It's not that I couldn't get anything. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want what I had. Mm. So I equated to this. I said, male and female sexuality, generally speaking, is like this. 
when a woman says there's no food in the fridge, she's opening the fridge and there's food inside. But it's not, it's not what she wants. Yeah. You know, we've been there like, mom, there's no food in the house. Mom, like, what do you mean? We got bread. We got, I don't want that. Yeah. You're not hungry then, right? Yeah. You're not really hungry because you won't eat that. That's the voice of the male. Right. Oh, you guys aren't desperate because you, if you were desperate, you would have taken these guys. You, like, yeah. so, so the male, but the male sexuality is he opens a fridge. They ain't nothing in the fridge. Yeah. It's a bare, empty fridge, right? Yeah. And so to me, I, my struggle was I could get women. But I couldn't get the women that I wanted. Mm -hmm. So I chose to have no women. I chose to be single. I chose to have no relationship, no sexual relationship, than to have average, above average or below women. I, I, I personally didn't. So I understand, and I've come to understand because I've watched a lot of these fem cell channels at time. We talk about pretty privilege and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I understand where they're coming from because I don't think guys understand the moral disgust. And Jonathan Hyde talks about that a lot. Yeah. The moral disgust women feel to lower guys. And that's the concept that most men cannot understand that idea. Yeah, absolutely. It's the difference between uh, bad options versus no options. Yes. Um, but yeah, my, my uh, lab mate and I, we always talk about how uh, men who kind of talk about how niche their standards are. Or I only like blondes or I only like whatever. It's kind of hinting at their own sexual abundance. Yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah, of like yeah. to, uh, to like a, a verbal way to inflate their own mate value. Mm. So you can only make those statements because you have options, right? So you, like you can only relate to the female mindset because you have I would argue abundance. I had none. You had no options? You said you were a college baller and you're a good So what I, what I meant by that is I want Okay, yeah. you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. I had no options that I wanted. You right. see, yeah, you're right, you're right, good. I'm sorry, continue, continue. No, but continue. it is, it's highlighting your, your abundance and that does tap into the, the female mindset. So yeah. th that might grate on incels because they're like, well, I don't have any options. You yes. Know, so, yeah. And so what's interesting, uh, uh, this one guy, is, uh, he's a really funny content creator. His name is Alpha Male Strategies. Mm. Um, he, he, he talked to, uh, to incels about like, you guys want these uh, Victoria's Secret models. Mm-hmm. And he said, you guys shouldn't get the Victoria's Secret models. You guys should get 300 pounds Shirley's. Mm. So it's this funny joke, right, about this idea of assortative mating. Right. And what happens is that what I've found, and I'm curious to, if you, when you were talking to incels, what have you found? Mm -hmm. At times, I feel like the, 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 the mindset also because of, especially because of pornography, has inflated the male standard as well. Mm. So I would argue that a lot of the incel type guys, they really could get, you know, the girl off of my 600 pound life. Mm. Right. But what I realized is his ego is so fragile. He can't afford to get rejected by a girl that low. Mm. That's an interesting. Way and to so look as a theory I had where like, when you really understand, like from a social hierarchy standpoint, if, if five is average, and we can say that incels are below average, if yeah. not about average guy, like, it's, it's tears to it, right? If, if you're a below average guy, then you should go for only below average women. Right. But if you really hear their stories about their animosity, because I've talked to a lot of these guys similar to you, and I said, show me the girl that mm. hurts you. Show yeah. me the girl that you couldn't get. Show me, because it's always a girl who started the pain, mm -hmm. right? Who broke the man's heart. And usually she's a very moderately attractive woman. So I think there's so many layers to this, but yeah. this layer where pornography and expectations and participation trophies and entitlement and a, the idea of the good old days, I feel like what also 
their struggle is they also cannot even get that load themselves while they argue women to do the same thing. Yeah, so you touched on a lot of interesting stuff. I'm going to try and cover Go three ahead, points please, in please. response to that. Uh, it is something we looked to measure, and we're writing a paper on that second set of findings uh, now because this is a, a kind of a cultural idea that incels are just simply aiming too high. So we wanted to investigate what their minimum mate preferences were for a range of different qualities uh, in a woman for a long-term mate. And we actually found that for every quality and overall, uh, they had lower minimum mate preferences than the non-incels in the sample. And this would make sense from an evolutionary point of view because you mentioned like assortative mating. It wouldn't make sense over ancestral time for a low mate value man who knows he's low mate value to compete with high mate value men for high mate value women. So that was a, it wasn't that surprising to find. Um, but when you mentioned pornography, that might be having a, an impact in terms of their mating effort at all. Mm -hmm. So at home, watching pornography, they can gain sexual access to mm. high value mates. And evolutionarily, they're getting a cue. You're an evolutionary success. Stay home, jerking off to that erotic stimuli. And there's no need to go out and risk it in the real world because you might get hurt. Stay home, do what you're doing. So it might be impacting, but just in a little bit of a different way. The third point I wanted to mention on that when you said, oh, they should assortative mate and go for the, the, someone of their own mate value. The problem is that those women of their own mate value don't want them either. So they, they want a mate across or up. Yeah. And what happens is that men who are higher in mate value than those women will mate with them once or twice yeah. short term but they won't commit to them long term. So in this modern mating market, a woman, those such women get the cue, that's my level. Mm -hmm. And they don't want to go back from that. So, mm. yeah, and, and when they do mate down, it leads to all those problems that we've talked about. Yeah. So it's a, there's a whole lot of things going on. But that idea that incels are simply aiming too high, it didn't come through in our data. Uh, the, I, I love this. I love this. I knew you were going to push back on this. <laughs> And this is going to lead us to so many different levels. I'm, I'm enjoying this conversation. So yeah, I love that, talking to you. That, that's our next paper we're working on now. And it's not under peer review yet, but uh, it's coming love it. soon. So here's, here's, a, here's my pushback to your data. Mm -hmm. the, the most fundamental challenge is written, written expectations versus actual expectations. Right. So you ask a woman today, what kind of man do you want? Write down to me the ideal. Well, I don't want that much. I want this and I want that and I want, and they're yeah. going to share. But then you say, well, show me the guy you've dated. So what I tend to do now, because before, like, guys are like, well, women were like, show me, to write down what you want. Like, no, show me the kind of guys you've dated and that you've been most attracted to. That's a good point. Yeah. So I'm more interested in, in the incels. Show me the girls you went after. Show me those girls that really hurt you. Because we all know it. I know the girl in, in, in 10th grade who really hurt me. Mm -hmm. Show me that girl who really broke your spirit. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I want to see who she, how she is. Yes, that is a good point because in our, there is a massive difference between stated and revealed preferences yes. for, for, for both men and women. Uh, so that might be a good point. And even just beyond that, even in terms of their mating effort, it's yeah. like how much have you tried before you gave up? A hundred percent. To be sexually successful, you actually have to put up with a lot of rejection. <laughs> and so, and, and another thing, and I, and I want to stay here because like I said, I'm not saying the, the, the typical uneducated argument is you got the shooting for the tens. They're not mm -hmm. shooting for the tens. They but don't even have the confidence league. to shoot for the tens. I'm saying that this, I'm about to go in a, a small a rabbit, rabbit hole. hole. <laughs> so think about what's happened in modern society. <clears throat> Male testosterone levels have what? De uh, decreased. Been plummeting, I believe. Been, yeah. been plummeting, right? Male competency levels have been decreasing. We look at some of the, the, the from a from a standpoint of 
Let's talk about college um, graduation, college graduation rates. Mm -hmm. Look at the, 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 the male female ratio, 1950s versus the male female ratio today. Mm. To your point, look at the, 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 um, the earning levels of, cause the key of the studies is unmarried women versus mm -hmm. unmarried males in similar fields. Yeah. Now we talking now you see, as you talked about the pay gap is totally different. So from a competency level, when women weren't in the workplace, when women weren't in college, when women weren't doing the things they're doing now, from a competency level, they were lower. Mm -hmm. So if I was the average guy, I still was better than the average woman because she had no job, yeah. because she couldn't survive without me, because especially when you go way back in the time with the laws of property, she like she's I'm always have more value than her. Yeah. So what has happened through you know. A lot of good stuff from women. The people make in the red pill world they treat women's lives like it's all evil. Mm. No, a lot of it was good. They deserve the right to vote. If they want to go to college, they should be able to go to college. If they wanted a job, they should be able to work. Right. So, but because of this, now you see that the woman who was now in the twenties who was here, now she's a little bit up here. Yeah. So in the past, if I was an average guy, because women were generally speaking less competent than you were. Right. Yeah. You were still from a hypergamous standpoint, you still had the upper edge. So now what has happened because women have increased and men have generally either went down depending on the study or stayed the same. Now, from a hypergamous standpoint, like what's happened is what was what women considered average back in the day is below average today. Absolutely. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. And uh, there's actually some researchers that have done a study that could predict geographic areas of high online incel activity using three variables high income inequality overall low gender pay gaps because low gender pay gap gender pay gaps a high gender pay gap actually alleviates mating market competition for both sexes yeah and the final one was male biased sex ratios so fewer uh, single women so incel activity is actually responding to the local mating ecology of a given area. I.e. New York City. <laughs> right, something yeah. like that is an example. Yeah. And so, so to, to that point, that's where <laughs> when I said, the, the, the unfortunately, a lot of the incel BMC mindset, it, it still has old programming where it evaluates himself based on 1950 standards. Mm -hmm. So he's like, well, I'm doing well. I'm not asking for that much. Yeah. But not realizing that to yesterday's prices weren't today's prices. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's why I said they don't really understand. No. To oh, average woman, think about it, average, because women more college educated, yeah. more likely to earn a little bit more depending on the area of, you know, coastal right. cities, yeah. college cities, major cities than men. You're not, you're, you're what you think is I should, it's, 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 it's a given. That's not a given anymore. Yeah. So that's why I said they, they haven't even adjusted themselves. I will definitely agree. We can talk about that as we continue about how the female market is inflated. And I love what you will get to that point, but the male market doesn't realize that it's deflated. Yeah. Men today are not as masculine, as competent, as dominant, especially when you understand how, how second wave feminism has then influenced how men are developed. Yeah. And two great books is Dr. Robert Glover's No More Mr. Nice Guy and Dr. Warren Farrell's uh, The Male Crisis. Yeah. And you've seen what has happened with men, especially being raised in single mother households. They were now begin to be taught to be the anti-man.
Mm. So a lot of the more masculine tendencies of the past, dominance, assertiveness, you know, confidence, the things that were generally more attractive, their moms were like, be the nice guy, be mm. the sweet guy, be the charming guy. And in the mating market, we all understand those things do not give you any evolutionary advantage. Mm -hmm. And so what's happened is because men don't have a lot of the teachings and idealism of the past, especially when you have toxic masculinity, things like that, the male of today... From a simple, if you're going to do science and look at testosterone levels or you look at the objective things that women measure men, is less competent and less attractive than the male of old. Yeah. So therefore, the guys don't realize that in actuality, you view yourself as a, a six. I'm, a, I'm a, like, no, 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 no. You're actually a lot lower than that because you're missing so many fundamental pieces to be an attractive male that has been lost over the years. Yeah, and when women already have the socioeconomic status already they'll want a similarly similarly high status mate but they'll also be more free to look for genetic markers mm -hmm. so like kind of th that dominance and masculinity yeah but just one piece of data that uh, on relationship satisfaction that came out recently that one thing that men can do to keep their partners happy and uh, high levels of sexual desire from within relationships is to do the dishes that actually came out that uh, women who, whose partner uh, cleans up the dishes, they were actually more sexually attracted to them. So just to Do you know why, balance, the, balance the... I think it's just a, a, a resentment thing. I imagine that if you're working yourself and then you also have to come home and do the dishes for your man, you'd begin to view that man as a kind of another child yes. and it would lead to resentment. And I think resentment dries women up more than anything. A hundred percent. And I remember reading that study and there's so many different layers to that. And one of the things that people, that you find, New York Times did an amazing article about egalitarian mm. marriages. Have you ever read the article? I haven't, no. I have, whatever you want. I've been, I've been I got hundreds of these Bible. ones. Yeah. <laughs> so about egalitarian marriages and how egalitarian marriages are sexual sexless marriage primarily hmm. and they were talking about why is that the case because of the lack of sexual polarity and so to that point one of the things that that happens is that when in most egalitarian marriages it's 50 50 right mm -hmm. i do, i work take care of the kids and take care of the house and i expect you to work take care of the kids and take care and take care of the house right. 50 50 the fundamental problem is i think dr peterson talked about this briefly is that women generally speaking are more agitated by a dirty house than men. That's true. <laughs> so you tell a man, keep the house clean, clean to him might be this. Yeah. Uh, there's no roaches. You know what I mean? Like it might be underwear on the floor. It might be this. It's like, there's no roaches. Or, and I, I've even heard women complain that their partner will do a job badly. Just yes. So they're never asked to do exactly. it again. Exactly. <laughs> and then even the, the old joke that uh, uh, um, women go away for, from, for work for a weekend, they come back and all the dishes are in the sink and the men are using the plastic plates now because <laughs> yes. you don't want to wash the dishes. <laughs> Problem and, solving. And so as a byproduct, now the woman takes on a heavier load than the man. Yep. Because naturally, she's just going to clean it up herself. Right. She's going to do it. But in the back of her mind, she's growing what? Resentful. Resentful. Yeah. yeah and that's so, you know, so that resentment and then taking on a heavier load also leads to what? Her lack of respect for him. Because yeah. if she's outworking him and doing more than him, she, there's no longer this respect factor. Yeah. And then, and to your point, to the incels, what do incels feel like they lack the most? Respect. Men value respect. Have you read the New York Times bestselling book, Love and Respect by Emerson, uh, Dr. Emerson Ed Eggert? I haven't read that one. No. Amazing book. Hmm. You will absolutely love this book. Cool. New York Times bestselling book. He crushed it. He crushed it. Great doctor as well. So he talks about the fundamental differences in relationship. And I know um, uh, Dr. Buss talked about it with admiration that hmm. men feel the, the desire in a relationship. So that 
without a lack of respect, and guess what happens? A woman, there's no sexual polarity. You're like you said, it, it's the mother lover tendency. The mm-hmm. more she has responsibility, the less she's your lover and the more she's your mother. Yeah. And that creates now a lack of sex. So when a man washes the dishes, it removes that burden, but it's even something greater than, wash, than not washing dishes, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. I, I saw a tweet the other day. It was a little bit kind of a, a bit blue, but it said uh, that what women really want in terms of eroticism is to have sex with a man they feel accomplished for having sex with. A hundred percent. It's like the status the respect thing is, is always at play. Yeah, I don't think women can motivate themselves to have sex with men they don't respect. Exactly. And so, have you watched, you, you have to have watched the Crumb, the Crumb documentary. I'm not familiar. Of the Crumb brothers? No, I'm not familiar. You absolutely, <laughs> Dr. Peters said it's the best documentary he's ever watched in his wow. life. When I watched it, that is, you're, you're, it you're, I'm n- <laughs> no, number one. Number one is a crumb documentary. It will take you into the depths of the insult community. I want to ruin. I want to ruin this too much. Maybe I have seen it. Let me look at look up look up the crumb. Just go on Amazon Prime. Type in crumb. Yeah, crumb documentary. I'm gonna put it on my list for sure. C R U M, not B. C C R U M. Crumb documentary. 1994 film. Yes. Okay. Cool. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. No. So check it out. You're gonna love this because it's. I'm telling you. I I want to get too lost. I think his name is Victor. If it's not, I apologize. I think Victor Crumb, right, has three brothers. All three of them are what I consider the BMC, what you consider incels. Mm-hmm. But then Victor, the, the, the brother, becomes a world-renowned artist. Okay. So he gets massive success. Suddenly, yeah. Right? But his brothers are great, but they never become world-renowned. And it's a documentary about their story without giving too much detail. One of the brothers actually went MGTOW before MGTOW was a thing. He's an incel that went MGTOW. He said he hasn't had, he's never had sex in his life. He's like 50 years old. Wow. Never once in his life, 50 years old, never had sex. Mm. Never even kissed a girl in his life. So you, you see the dark depravity of, this, of, of, the, of the mindset of these guys. But what's fascinating is that Crumb is an award-winning cartoonist. Mm. He's one of the like, underground cartoons of the day. And if you ever see his cartoons, it's, um, you may have you may recognize him, and what's interesting is he depicts the male pain of rejection from women, mm. and he pick, depicts it in a dark comedic way. Right. What is that today? Meme culture, mm. Reddit culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you were saying, those dark, sinister. They're not really trying, but it's this dark expression of emotion. And you look at Crumb's cartoons you see in the documentary. It's painting those raw feelings mm-hmm. of these men. So I, I, you're going to absolutely love this. That does sound appealing. Yeah. And that's certainly typical of incel kind of gallows humor is laughing so they don't cry. Kind yes. of thing And the, that bleak kind of, like you say, meme culture. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So definitely check it out because because to me, that's one of the things that that I've I've noticed is that <clears throat> like you like you pointed out in your studies, Society paints all these guys as violent, you know, school shooter type guys. Their temperaments mm-hmm. rarely will allow them to do that. They're, they're nice. Mm. They're sweet guys. And most guys can't do that, right? Yeah. But on the flip side, when you look up the, the, the content, you see it's very dark. Yeah. Right? So, so if you're familiar with a, com- a comedian called Patrice O'Neill. I'm not familiar, no. One of the best comedians of all time. Mm. He's up there. And you see this is very dark 
comedy that appeals to the male struggle yeah. and to the female high art, high expectation. Mm. So it's really fascinating. But one of the things I want to talk to you about next is, I think we've kind of talk, touched a little bit about the, the incel community is if I was to go to your, if I was to go to school with you, I would do the inverse mm. and I will study the life of highly sexually successful men. Mm-hmm. And I will study them because you made an interesting point that I think that the incel can never conceptualize. I think the incel conceptualized the Chad always being with the Stacy's. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what I found in highly successful men is that their sexual portfolio is like a subprime mortgage mm-hmm. of, of 2008. A few A's. But a lot of D's and F's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so to you, what happens is in the d- dating market is that a lot of these high caliber men, they like sexual convenience and sexual no- novelty versus sexual grandestness, right? Because they've, yeah. they've, they've had it. So they're not, they're, novelty and convenience is more important. Yeah. So they will go down to sleep with less attractive women. But then as a byproduct, then that that woman, what she will do is because that top tier man slept with her, that will create her new value expectation. There's an NFL player named Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. and there's this picture of this girl's um, Tinder profile. And her Tinder profile is a picture of her next to Odell Beckham. And the caption says, I effed Odell Beckham. Get on my level. <laughs> That's the embodiment wow. of the culture. So it's interesting that you brought that up because now that affects more of the average type guys yeah. because now that girl thinks that her, her, her ranking is a lot higher than what it is. Yeah, and it might not even take that she slept with Odell Beckham, but just like messaging men from out of town who yeah. give her attention. Like online dating gives you access to thousands of mates when we evolved our sexual mating psychology in a world where you would encounter maybe a couple of dozen potential mates in a lifetime. So this impression that there's unlimited amount of options out there is kind of messing with our um, you know, mating psychology as well. Uh, but you mentioned about the men's craving for novelty, and that's kind of typical of most men, not just the high-status men, but perhaps more typical of high-status men. And uh, the example in the media right now is Adam Levine, yeah. the Maroon 5 singer. Yep. People are maybe a little bit surprised. Oh, how is he sleeping on, with an Instagram star when his uh, wife at home is this amazing Victoria's Secret yeah, yeah, model? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you made the point about seeking novelty. For men, it often doesn't have to be better. It just has to be new. Yes. It just has that uh, novelty-seeking kind of thing, particularly for short-term mating. And I think this actually causes a lot of confusion. And I know you've had Esther Perel on the podcast. Beast. I love, I think she's amazing. Um, but I imagine there's often men in couples therapy being asked, why did you cheat on your wife? You love your wife. You love your kids. You want to be in a long-term relationship with your family. Why did you do it? And he'll often say, I don't know. Yeah. She was just there. Yeah. The opportunity presented itself. And that's the number one motivation for men when in terms of having an affair, the opportunity presented itself. Mm. With women, it's a little bit different. When women have affairs, they tend to want to leave their partner for the affair partner. 100%. And the qualities they want in an affair partner are the qualities they like in a long-term mate. Mm-hmm. So it's very different. They do the, what's called the mate-switching hypothesis. Yeah. In evolutionary psychology, you had the dual mating versus the mate-switching hypothesis. So yeah. the dual mating hypothesis suggested that women mate long-term with one guy for his resources, and on the side, yeah. they get the genes from someone else. Yeah. But Non-paternity 
is pretty low among humans, like two to three percent. So it's not often that a woman will actually do that strategy. Maybe 23 and me will reveal that it happens a bit more than that. But um, it's not very typical. And it's dangerous. Evolutionary speaking, it's dangerous. Right. You would incur the jealousy of your partner. It's yeah. So it's better to mate switch rather than yeah. dual mate. That's a risky strategy. Yeah, sure. because I remember I was um I was looking at Hammur- Hammurabi's code, mm. and you see some of the things like 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 in almost every ancient society, if a woman was caught sleeping with another man, she would get murdered. Murdered. There yeah. was no tolerance for that. So a lot of these pseudo, a lot of these ideas of like you said, the mate switch is like, come on, man, was was she really risking her life? Mm-hmm. Just for a quick bang, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, is it really worth it? But the mate switch is a great point. Yeah, and even also how much more dangerous it is to raise another man's child. So, uh, for men, in terms of the investment they give to a child, yeah. it's really important that the child looks and behaves like them. Yes. And Game of Thrones actually does this very well. I was watching the House of the Dragon episode last night because <laughs> it's such a prevalent theme. But they did a really cool study in the 90s that measured how often families, after a child is born, they listened to them, they recorded them. And what they found is they way over the top disproportionately uh, verbally asserted that the child looks like the father. Mm. It really looks like you. They almost never say it looks like uh, the mother because the paternal certainty is clear for the mother. It's coming out of her body. It's definitely hers. What's in doubt is, is it the father's? So they really need to assert that. And males invest more in offspring that looks and behaves like them. So that's really important. In our field, we call that the mama's baby, papa's maybe. (laughs) a a huge thing. And that explains a lot of male sexual jealousy because the only, I mean, now we have paternal tests or paternity tests, but, those are very evolutionary novel yes. and not very widely used anyway. 100%. So the only way that a man could guard against being cuckolded, yeah. raising another man's child, is by really strongly mate guarding his mate uh, from other men and being highly sexual jealous. Exactly. And then also leads to the, as Dr. Buss talked about, the importance of female chastity in ancient societies because that's a, that's a prerequisite that she'll be faithful. Mm. And so one of, one of the things I, I, I love that, because you, you, you touched on the Adam Levine thing, and I was like, oh man, it's so good. Let's <laughs> hold, hold on to that, hold on to that. <laughs> but but, but, but to, to the part about what I've also seen has happened that the incels are enraged with the chads. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I think the rage is very interesting when you understand like pickup culture, right? Pickup culture of the early 2000s was I'm an incel, I'm a BMC, and I want to become a chad, right? Mm-hmm. I, I want to go from none to, to Hugh Hefner status. Abundance, yeah. But what's fascinating is that you don't realize that that's the evil that's negatively affecting your life. Mm. So I talk about like, you know, like the Dan Bilzerians of the world, right? Mm. And, and, I, and, and I actually like Dan Bilzerian, but I, I, I have to attack the behavior, not the ideas, mm-hmm. not the person. So Dan, you're a cool guy. I like you. <laughs> I'm, I always attack his ideas because what guys don't realize is, and we'll talk about it, about enforced monogamy. Enforced monogamy is benefits disproportionately the men at the bottom mm-hmm. and the benefit it benefits you because what it ensures is that Genghis Khan can't come into your village and take your woman you, you remember the story about what, what went on it was in Scotland with Prima Nocte with the British people right mm-hmm. like 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 there was the this this has benefited you because if not what's gonna happen is you have one or two guys take thousands of women Yep. And that's what's going on today. And so to me, I'm always anti-male promiscuity because I understand how it disproportionately negatively affects society. Yep. And so I find it fascinating that all these guys are like, oh, I want to be like Dan. I'm like, yo, 
Dan is the reason you're struggling. Not Dan, I'm sorry. That's yeah. wrong. Dan is not the reason why you're struggling. Yes. The Dan mindset contributes to why it's difficult today because a lot of guys are doing what I call sexual hoarding. Mm. Where there was one guy who's in a neighborhood and he has all these different women and then now the other guys can't be able to to attract because they're so fixated upon this one guy who's captivated the hearts of, of many. Yeah, that's a really good point. And monogamy is often framed as kind of controlling female sexuality, but yeah. it could just as equally be framed as controlling the sexuality of the high status male. Yeah. So to give you some statistics that kind of bring that uh, into light a bit more as well, uh, one study found that compared to 2002, men overall had the same number of partners in 2013. But the top 20% of those men had a 25% increase in sexual mm. partners and the top 5% had an even more dramatic 38% increase. Mm. So it's getting skewed. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Monogamy's main cultural advantage and how it evolved as a cultural norm is that more egalitarian uh, distribution of, of female partners. Mm. Which, uh, it, it reduces what's called young male syndrome because when you have an excess population of unpartnered young men in any society they cause a lot of problems they you know they risk take they cause a lot of crime they're out there status striving to try and get a mate when if you give them a, a mate and a family they can concentrate on economic output and uh, benefiting the culture and the society mm, no that that's so good and I, and I and and as you were describing about this situation it reminds me of the modern capitalistic market right mm -hmm. Where now the, the income distribution of the wealth, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. Yeah. And what's interesting, Dr. Peterson talks about this, is that if people feel like the game is rigged, they will flip the board. Yes. Need for chaos. Exactly. Have a need for chaos. So you see why the, the incel community, these guys with this mindset, they, they want... Because the black pill mentality is we need to overthrow the system. It's very interesting because it's like... Like you said, it's a very neoliberal mindset. Yeah. It's a very Marxist mindset, right? Finite this is, resource. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's finite resources. The structure is corrupted. We need, to, we need to overthrow the structure and put in this new world. But if the structure does not get overthrown, it's hopeless and it's bleak and it's doomed. Mm -hmm. And so what I've seen is that a lot of guys, they, they feel as though that there needs to be a total deconstruction of this marketplace and, and it's something where the, the sexual monopoly and the sexual hoarding gets higher and higher, right? Because like you were saying, it, 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 it's this thing where, you know, Adam Levine, and Adam Levine's a whole different conversation, but it's like Adam Levine has his own supermodel. Yeah. But then he takes 50 more. Like, you know what I mean? Like, man. Adam, I, let me get one of them. You yeah. know what I mean? Let yeah. me get one of them, Adam. And so to me, this is where it's interesting because you see – the, the, the kind of men incels flock to mm. are usually the men who have the most sexual signaling, who, who have the most, who do the most sexual hoarding. Yeah. And I'm like, why do you guys love a guy like that when he's taking all the women away from you and disrupting the market? Yeah, they, you might get a mix of incels. Some will, like you say, idolize those guys and yeah. want that and strive towards that as their ideal. But some of them will resent those men too yeah. for the very reason you pointed out. But definitely that need for chaos tipped the Monopoly board over. I absolutely agree with that. And overwhelmingly in my one-to-one -one interviews with incels, which I do too, as well as uh, quantitative studies, uh, they've the overwhelming theme that seems to emerge is that they feel like they don't have a stake in society. Mm -hmm. And when you make someone 
whoever it is, criminal, pedophile, whatever it is, if you make them feel they don't have a stake in society, that's when they'll act out. Mm -hmm. You need to make sure we kind of broaden the appeal that people feel they have a, a stake in the future of this society or else they won't participate. Yeah, no, 100%. And I, and I think that's, that's where you get into just more the psychology of the solutions. I definitely want to get to the solutions, but I want to, I want to, I want to, just say one more thing about the t the, the high performing males um, <clears throat> as we continue mm -hmm. is that I think what also happens is is do I want to talk about this a whole other rabbit hole I'll <laughs> briefly t I'll br briefly touch upon it what also happens that I realize that contributes to to um, the mindset is this um, is this competence confidence um, I forgot the word that the people describe it but it's like this. Um, Dichotomy? Or? Not dichotomy, but it's like it contributes to each other. Like, I, what's the word I'm looking for? Competence? Confidence? Anyway, I forgot the word I'm looking for. <laughs> but the more competent you are, the more confident you be in a task, the more confident you are in this task, the more confident you are in life. And it's just this kind of this wheel, right? Yes. So what ends up happening is that what I've realized is the number one predictor of a male ending up in insult behavior is the age of what are the, the earliest female interactions? Mm, yeah. When a male's female, early female interaction, whether it's mother, sister, girl he's interested, is negative, that leads to this cycle. It's negative, so I'm not good. With, I'm, it's negative. Women don't like me. If women don't like me, I'm not confident around women. I'm not confident around women. I try to talk to women. They feel like I'm not confident. Then they yeah. don't like me. And it's it spirals. But then the guys, the chads, what I've noticed about a lot of these guys, and there's different reasons why, is that um, a lot of the, the high-performing high guys, if their first interaction is positive, mm. then it's like, oh, women like me. That's interesting. If women like me, now I'm confident. Yeah. Now I'm confident. I approach women. They feel like I'm confident. Now they like me. So it creates this interesting cycle. So one of the earliest predictions that I found when I've talked to a lot of these guys is the early successes and early experiences with women and I've, I've had a lot of friends. What's interesting, and you probably studied this as well, when I was a preschool teacher, <clears throat> women come to sexual maturity earlier than males. That's right. So women actually have more interest in guys at an earlier age than males have with, with females. Yeah. So what happens is, at, what's interesting is the early middle school era is like a Sadie Hawkins dance where the women choose the guys. Mm. So what happens is the women then kind of bestow upon guys female interests. Hmm. That female interest that he didn't really do anything. She just likes him. Yeah. He got the interest. He's good around women. Conf and it spirals. And the guys who don't get it at an early age, they see him winning. Resent resentment. So it creates this interesting dynamic yeah. that a lot of times it stems in early childhood if you really deep, dive deep enough. I think that's a, some interesting stuff. And incels often talk about... Um, this irretrievable romanticism of early romantic success. They're like, that's the most powerful uh, a, a girl or a, a woman feels love is when she's like a teenager. Mm -hmm. that, that's mad, magic. And they almost kind of romanticize it over the top. Uh, and that's irretrievable. Even if they were to go on and achieve romantic success in their 20s, they've missed out on something fundamental. Mm. And I, I really agree with you about that idea of success breeding success. And uh, I know you like Jordan Peterson kind of archetypes, and I know you like religious uh, motifs as well. In the Gospel of Thomas, it's talked about how those who have everything, everything will be given to them. From those who have nothing, everything yeah. will be taken. Matthew. Yeah, is it Matthew? Yeah, those Thomas. But yeah. uh, okay. Um, well, that, that story is repeated in multiple gospels, so mm. it could have could have definitely be repeated in, in Thomas. But it's, it's the it, yeah exactly the Matthew. Yeah. It's, a par it's a parable of the talents. I think you're right. Yes. Matthew could be right. Yes. Um, but yeah, it's like 
that uh, that inequality yeah. is kind of almost baked into. Oh my gosh! Like, you, so let me tell you, I got to geek out real quick. I love <laughs> I love Christian theology, but here's a story about that. The story about that is there's a king and he gives three different guys three different talents. Mm. One guy and talent is equivalent to money in in the in the, okay. in the, in the, in the um, ancient Israelite society. One guy gives one talent to another guy gives five. Another guy gives ten. <clears throat> right. The one who he gives ten turns into twenty. The one he gets, gets gives five turns into ten. The one who gives he gives one talent to what does he do? That guy hides a talent. Yeah. Doesn't do anything. He hides it. He buries it. The king comes, he said, all right, show me what you did with the money I gave you. The guy who got 10 said, I took 10, made it to 20. The king's like, well done, my good and faithful servant. Here is more. The guy who five, what did you do? Oh, I, I got five, I turned it into 10. Well done, my good and faithful servant, I gave you more. Guy who did one, what did you do? Oh, king, you know, I, I hid your talent, I didn't do anything. You yeah. hid my talent, you didn't put it in the bank, you didn't get no interest, you didn't do anything. Yeah. What's, what's, I'm going to take that one for you and give it to the guy who's 20. And then Jesus went on to say that phrase. Yeah. But what's fascinating is when you understand that from a, 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 um, a pragmatic level, what does that mean? It means hiding away from what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. And what the incel type guy does <clears throat> is he has been so scarred by the little that he has. Yeah. And it also comes from comparison of what other people have. He does nothing. Yeah. So to the point that incel hates accountability. He hates, why don't you get in the gym? Why don't you earn more? Why yeah. don't you approach 100 women? Why don't you, hey, if it's a life is number game, approach 1,000. Yes. So he yeah. wants, he hides the little that he has little, but he does nothing with the little that he has because he so has a victim mindset and is comparing himself to other people and not doing what he's called to do himself. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's a tall order yes. to ask a socially anxious incel to go out and play the numbers game and pick yourself up, get rejected over and over again. But that is what it takes to be romantically successful. You do have to get rejected a lot and just pick yourself up and go again. But, you know, uh, is it fair to say that that's what incels should do? It's uh, individual differences, yeah. But um, if your goal is to achieve romantic success, then that's the only option. Yeah. Whether incels should deem it important enough to put themselves through it it would be to me that's the option i would pick uh romantic relationships have been some of the richest conscious experiences available to humans in my in my world but um you know is it for me to say that's what you should do incels what's on the other side of that discomfort is worth it i don't know let's let's stay there because i think this is where i'm a little different than Mm. you so we talked a lot about the problem like i said incels love you to understand their problem yeah i this has been my life. I understand it. I've been going through these emotions. I've went through rejection. Like I said, I didn't have my first girlfriend until I was 28 years old. I've been through rejection. I've been through all the emotions that a, that a BMC type guy can, can experience. And I've counseled, coached so many men of so many different ages through this. My curiosity is we, we've talked for over an hour and a half about <laughs> the problem. What is the solution for the guy who's at the bottom of society, who women don't want him, who's getting, who's getting overlooked, who's plagued by the rejection of his past, who's hurt by the rejection from his family, who feels like society doesn't care for him, who thinks he has no place in society. What is the solution for guys like that? Um, yeah, so that's the $64,000 question, yeah, right? Yeah, and I wish yeah. I had like the clear-cut answers. Yeah. I can suggest some things that I think. I think, number one, cultivate broader social networks more broadly. So yeah. I mentioned earlier the previous study that found that incels lack friendships as well. 
And I think we need to actually return to a bit of a, uh, the past in a little bit, in a little way, in terms of relying on our friends to set us up with people. Yeah. We've put so much responsibility on the individual to form romantic relationships and take ultra responsibility for that as an individual only. Uh, whereas evolutionarily, your family and your friends and your kin would have really helped you out. So maybe we could return to that or definitely you organically meet romantic options through your friends if you cultivate friendships. So cultivate friendships more broadly. I also think there is a million different status games you can play now. If you're an incel and you're not succeeding in the workplace, find a different status game. Find a dance club where you can be the best dancer or whatever it is, whatever uh, gaming club or whatever it might be. Uh, find the status game that you can win at um, and there's any amount you can create now. Uh, Yep, f friendships, female friendships. But yeah, I take the personal development kind of route because also for men, you can actually change your mate value a lot more than women can. Women, it's tied to their age and their physical beauty a lot more than it is for men. Men can always accrue more status and you can always like improve your resources, whatever it might be. The one exception to that unfortunately for me, is height. Yes. You can't really do much with height, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, unfortunately, yeah. it's a big mate preference for women. Yeah. But, you know, after, I think sometimes you can compensate hard with other qualities, and that's kind of the only thing you can do. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I take the personal development route. Yeah. Um, it's just a tough nut to crack. Yeah. So, similar to Dr. Peterson, like, I spent so many years with these guys and, and, and like I said, I can go for days about my experiences and my journeys and, and firsthand stories and, 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 and my attitude towards these men have changed a lot recently. And one of the things for me is that I've seen, as Dr. Peterson talks about, is they've taken the mindset of nihilism. Mm. Because what can happen is there are, there are legitimate reasons why your life sucks. Yeah. Your dad beats you up every day. It makes sense you don't have confidence. Your mom was a devouring mother. It makes sense that you think women, you're, you're terrorized by women, right? Mm -hmm. you've, you've got publicly rejected. You may not be tall. You may have a weird face. Like there are reasons. There yeah. are absolute, and we can go on for days, legitimate reasons yes. why some guys are suffering in today's world. Mm -hmm. And we've acknowledged and we've talked about that for hours. But to me, that ending the story there, as difficult as your life is, leads to nihilism. Yes. It only leads to nihilism, a.k.a. the black pill, a.k.a. that dark side of the internet. It will only lead to nihilism. And to me, my philosophy is that nihilism is a cancer to the soul and it's a cancer to society. Mm. Unfortunately, a lot of guys get so enraged by bitterness, they, 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 they end up like with that joker mi mindset. They just want to see the world burn. Yeah. You know, but as Dr. Peterson says, sometimes when you look deep enough into the dark abyss, you tend to see the light. Yeah. And so to me, the only hope is tangible solutions to, to help these men out. That is the only hope. If not, we're just going to simply share our stories, cry about how women don't want us, cry about how difficult life is, and nothing's going to change. And we're going to live 60 to 70 miserable years on this planet and die. Yeah. And so for me, my whole life has been dedicated because it's one thing to acknowledge a problem, but the other error that people say is pull yourself up by your bootstrap. And to your point, <clears throat> is it, is it, if I'm a socially awkward male with no skills, with no intelligence, with no friends, with no family, with no confidence, you can't 
can't just tell me to pull myself up. That's, that's, that's illogical, and I view it like fitness, mm-hmm. right? If somebody's 600 pounds overweight, you can't tell them, just get in the gym. Just be thin. Yeah, just, just stop eating <laughs> yeah. the Cheetos, yeah. Billy. That's not how it works, <laughs> yeah. right? So what I've realized is my thing is I want to give those guys as many tools and resources possible. Yeah. to be able to be successful. So there's a lot of products that we've been working on. One of them is my, my community of men called The Standard. To be able to, but that's a little bit different. But we do a lot of community building because that's, that's the biggest thing I've been talking yes. about is that guys need community. You need togetherness. You need other men because sure. isolation breeds misery. It breeds darkness. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's the devil's plaything, as they yeah. like to say. I'm glad to hear you say that because I kind of haven't given up hope on the idea that there could be an ethical pickup artistry kind of world. I still think there is something there that needs to be uh, Yeah, done. but it's not, it's not even ethical pickup artistry. You know what I call it? I call it mating competency. Right, I like so that. So one of the yeah. biggest things is that every single thing in life, there is a competence hierarchy in it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's not the greatest singer. Mm-hmm. Everyone's not the greatest linguist. Everyone's not the greatest um, theologian or research. There's, uh, there is a hierarchy to it. Some are at the bottom, some are at the top. And the same is true for when it, mating competency. Because yeah. part of mating competency is, what you say, cross Cross-sex mind reading. Cross-sex mind reading. It's the importance of being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. Usually, which is interesting, people who are high on the autism spectrum tend to have an inability to understand the well-being of other people, which then leads to why some of them are in, the, in that community. And so, to me, I realize that these guys are just low in the mating competency, and then the modern mating market is way harder. So you got to think about it. It's like a game. Let's play basketball, you and I, versus two fifth graders. I'm not very good. I don't know how good you are, but I can exactly tell you weren't that good. So, so we, but we, but two fifth graders will dominate them. Right. We're not very good. We'll dominate them. But you put maybe two high school guys. Now it's going to be. I don't tr- find too much you, And so that's what happens in the past. If you're not competent, the game is so easy. Arrange marriages. Yeah. Get a job. We'll get you a wife. Yeah. Show up. Be a, you know work at the factory. A woman will be in town, will want you. You're 35, 18-year-old girl, she'll want you, right? Now the game has gotten more difficult. I acknowledge that. And so to me, improving mating competency is giving men the skills to become more competent in in mating. It's simply what needs to be done in society. So... I, I, I thought about that idea of ethical pickup, but it's not pickup. It's too, the That's word too has too much of negative connotation. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's mating competency. Yeah. And, these, and, and, and you and Michaela talked about some of these things that women do a great job of it, right? Yeah. Women understand makeup. Right. They understand clothing. Heck, I'm not agreeing with it. Plastic surgery. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they're doing things to become more competent in the mating market, but a lot of men are not taught these skills. So I believe that it's community. So men are not isolated, but giving men all the skills to be competent in mating. But what that really comes about from William is being competent in life. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that we that I, we teach the guys from having a strong identity, a strong I am statement improving your confidence, becoming financially stable, because even if you're not a high school graduate, you can still be financially stable. There's so many different areas of life that a man can improve on. And the beauty about being a man, which is way better than being a woman, is that if we're honest, at a certain age, uh, it's very hard for a woman's uh, um, sexual market value, we got to use the word, to, to go like this forever. Right. Eventually, kind of it goes plateaus, like yeah. plateaus and it comes down. The, view, the advantage of being a man is that it can, 
at least plateau for a very long Slower time. Decline. Yeah. You know, and you can and, and so the game for a man is a much longer runway. Yeah. So the hope as a man is for, because most guys, like you said, in the insult community are 27. I tell them all the time, you're young. Mm-hmm. You're so young. Yeah. You're so young. And, and, and though it's not the sexiest of messages, <clears throat> though it's not the most encouraging of messages because it takes a long time, but so much can change in five years, in yes. three years, in 10 years. And I, and I know it's not pull yourself up by the bootstrap. It's we're going to help you. Yeah. We're going to come alongside you. We're going to give you all the tools, resources, support, encouragement, positivity, love, affirmation to help you get there. But the only thing that's going to stop you from getting there is nihilism, mm. is cynicism, is bitterness. So you have to put away the dark side of the internet with the red pill, with the black pill, all those unhealthy ideologies. And you must take the ideology that there is hope for my life. And there are people out there, like men like you and men and myself, who are trying to help Mm -hmm. the state of men today. And I believe that message and that story is hope for the guys in the bottom of society. Yeah, it's really refreshing to hear you say that because uh, that's an optimistic view of a good project to maybe get behind. My buddy here in Austin, Chris Williamson, he talks about this third wave of red pill that needs to make room for that cross-sex mind reading, understanding the perspective of women who are, you know, your best allies in society, uh, you know, we're, we're meant to get along. Yeah. I, I really agree with that, yeah. And um, just to mention on the just wait until you get older thing, that's a really important point too, because even if you just fundamentally don't even consider the amount more uh, of more status you can accrue in age, but even if you just consider how many more women are interested in you just by virtue of being older. So when you're 20, there's 20-year-olds and younger are interested in you. 20, 20 to 18, because obviously you can't, right. you can't go but, that low. But you're, when you're 30, you've got up to 40 and down as far as 20, 18 as well. Yeah. So it's like automatically mm-hmm. you've got more interested in you. So that's broadening your mating pool in one fell swoop, you know, yeah. so it's a really important point. No, I love it. And so to me, I, that's why I get, I'm so hard on those guys because I know for a fact we've built almost every tool. I've known them. Every tool possible, every resource possible, I have it. Mm. I built it. You can you name it. I have it for the guys. Mm. And what, what has frustrated me the most is that the nihilism has crept in. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to me, it's, it's, it's the scene it's a scene in I Am... Have you seen the movie I Am Legend by Will Smith? Yes. It's a scene at the end of I Am Legend. And I, and I say the BMC mindset leads to the, the AOC, mm-hmm. which we call the agent of chaos, okay. which you're talking about. So the end of the I Am Legend, not the director's cut, the original version, is so interesting if you remember the ending. Will Smith is in the basement. Then all of a sudden, the monsters come in. Mm-hmm. He rushes into the room, and he notices that the, the, the female monster... Her pulse is starting to calm down. Her eyes no longer dilated. And he realizes what? Oh, snap. I found the cure. Well, I found the cure to, the mo- to, to it. Yeah. Outside, the, the mob storms into the basement. You remember the scene? Mm. And there's the leader that comes in, <laughs> like looking at Will Smith. And he's like, oh, I, look, 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 look. There's a, there's a glass wall in front of them. It's the only thing keeping the, the chaos from the solution. Yeah. Said, look, no, I, I can help her. The monster runs against the wall, smashing his head. Said, no, stop, stop, I can save you, I can save you, I can save you. The monster came in, think about it. He, 
there's there's the solution is right before him. Yeah. Somebody is standing right before him, William, with a solution, and he's like, "No, yeah. I want to. I want to see this place burn. Mm. I want to see." And that's why I, I rage so heavily against that nihilistic mindset because even if the solution is, is right before them, they're gonna they're not gonna want it. Yeah. And so I'm just so glad for what you do because you're bringing to light to the the issues. But more than bringing to light issues, we need more solutions for these kind of guys. And man, thank you so much for your work. Um, thank you so much for taking time because I'll be honest with you. You don't seem like the incel type of guy to me. <laughs> like this third thing, when you were talking, I was like, man, he, he, he hasn't been through it. Like you made a point you, uh, in one of the interviews, you're like, I was talking to my female friends. I was like, man, if you have female friends, you ain't no, you ain't no, ain't no BMC mindset kind of guy. Like, so, so I appreciate a guy because I know... Because it's easy to say, well, someone's interest in this because this is who they are. I honestly don't think this is who you are. And I appreciate your interest in not only talking about it objectively and not biasly, but wanting to create a change. So thank you so much, William. Really appreciate your yeah, time well, today. Thank, thanks for having me on and giving me the opportunity to, to share what we know. And just to speak to that point finally, um, the reason I'm maybe interested in it is not like direct relatability with incels, even <laughs> though I am a short, uh, <laughs> short, short king. Um, it's because this mating crisis that has created more incels is affecting everyone. Mm -hmm. It affects women, men, everyone. Yeah. So we all have to contend with it. I love it. I love it. Well, where can they find you at? So like most academics, I spend far too much time on Twitter. So <laughs> my handle is at Costello William. And uh, yeah, everything I do, I'll post plenty about it. So that's where to follow me. I love it. Guys, you know how we get down here. Please be sure to follow William on his Twitter account and be sure to send him a message. Let him know what about this conversation stood out to you. Man, I love you guys. You know, I'm hard on you guys because, man, I just want you to be better. And whatever you do, man, no matter how difficult life is, I know it's not easy for me to for me to say, I know it, I know it sounds good from where I'm standing, but wherever you are in life, there is hope. There is a path forward. And I want to do everything in my power to give you the tools to not just pull yourself up by your bootstrap, but to find a group of brothers, to find a group of men and to give you all the tools to make it happen. So thank you guys so much for your time. My name is Hafiz and I'm joined by William Costello. Thank you guys so much and have a great day.